Hey family, this is Mo Lives on Purpose. My name is Monique Moss, also known as Mo, and I am here to tell you about all the details of how I went from a life of hopelessness to a life full of hope and purpose. And I'm also going to be empowering you to live on purpose mentally, physically, relationally, financially, and most of all, spiritually. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Although we will talk about mental and emotional health from time to time, I want you to know that this podcast does not take the place of actual therapy. I encourage everyone to go and find a therapist that fits your personal needs so that you can do the work that you need to do in order to recover from any mental and emotional trauma, as well as working through all the things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Again, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so I wanted to bring you guys another episode um, touching on that particular topic, and today I really want to talk about finding a therapist as well as what to expect um, in your first appointment as well as in the therapeutic process. Um, and so first I want to start off like by saying, just kind of reiterating what I said last week, you can find a therapist for so many different issues, so many different things. Um, you don't have to go to therapy only if you have a mental illness or some type of, um, mental health disorder. It can be for various reasons. So if you are struggling with determining what you want to do in life, you're in a career, you feel stuck, you want to change your career, there are therapists that specialize in career exploration. If you have a history of trauma or have just been struggling during the whole pandemic, um, I think we all at some point, at one point or another, have had some type of struggle during this pandemic. Um, If you are struggling with grieving the loss of someone or something, if you are even having issues with, you know, parenting finances. There are therapists that specialize in so many different things. Um, It's all about finding someone who deals with your issue. So how do you find a therapist? Um, So what I first want to, to say is, again, because there are so many different types of therapists out there that specialize in different types of things, it's important to know what you want to focus on in therapy. You may want to focus on a few different things, a few different issues, which is perfectly fine, but you want to make sure you find someone that specifically specializes in maybe the most important thing that you're wanting to work on. 
Um, so first, a lot of people have employers that offer what we call EAP programs, and that's employee assistance programs. And so what employee assistance programs are designed to do are they are beneficial to the employee as well as the employer. Because if you think about it, if you go to work and you're super stressed out about work or even your personal life, a lot of times your productivity, the your ability to work and do your job well can be altered. So your employer may have an agreement, um, an EAP program in which they have an agreement with insurance companies in order to provide you and your family members, your immediate family members with mental health services. So um, employees, employers want to make sure that their employees are fully functioning and able to come to work and be able to do their job well. Um, EAP programs are helpful in um, keeping FMLA rates down for mental health reasons. They also are helpful in um, keeping workers' comp um, rates down. So it has a lot of benefits to the employer as well as the employee. And so from my personal experience, I have seen some EAP programs where you can get up to three to eight free sessions per person that's covered under your insurance per issue per year. So um, some insurance companies will allow you to get more than one set of sessions, uh, free sessions for different issues. So sometimes um, some employ some EAP programs will allow you to, let's say you have five free sessions for one particular issue. And now as you've gone through the therapeutic process, you have found that you need more sessions for a completely different issue that maybe you weren't necessarily aware was an issue when you started therapy. And so you can sometimes be approved for another set of sessions. Um, that's not always the case, but it, it is something that I have seen before in these EAP programs. So depending on the agreement that your employer has with the program, like I said, you can get up to three to eight free sessions per person that's covered under your insurance per issue per year. Okay, so sometimes you can contact the EAP program to get recommendations for therapists that accept that particular type of um, coverage. Also, you can contact your your insurance company, not the EAP program, but your insurance company directly to see which therapists in your area are covered by insurance. Um, now, keep in mind, some therapists do accept insurance and some do not. Some will only um, have self-pay rates or even a sliding scale rate depending on your personal income. So, 
if you contact your insurance company, you may um, be able to find a therapist through that. But a lot of times, um, not a lot of times, but sometimes um, therapists do not take insurance. And that's for various reasons. That's a whole completely different topic of discussion. But um, your insurance is another place to look for a therapist in your area. Now, keep in mind, if you are okay with telehealth, which is virtual sessions, you can see someone that takes your insurance, but that is not um, necessarily in your particular zip code or area, but maybe in the same city as you or in the same state. Um, Usually, for telehealth purposes, you can see someone in your same state. So like I'm in Houston, in the Houston area, if I wanted to see a therapist that resides or that is located in Austin, I still could do that if my insurance covers telehealth coverage, has telehealth coverage. Um, now with COVID-19, a lot of insurance companies did switch to um, allowing telehealth, but some of them did retract that after uh, a while. Um, And so sometimes you will find that some insurance companies will pay for telehealth services and some may not. So this is something that you want to make sure that you understand prior to seeing and choosing a therapist. Um, another thing to think about, again, we talked about your personal preferences and needs. So like, yes, you want to find a therapist that is able to meet the personal, um, your personal needs and specializes in the area of therapy that you're, you're, you're needing. Um, but bear in mind, you can let therapists and like their office staff whoever answers the phone know what your preferences are so for example I work at a group practice right and so we have several different therapists we have student interns we have associates like myself um, LPC associates which are partially licensed We just have a ton of hours to get before we can become fully licensed and then you have of course your fully licensed clinicians, which can be LF, uh, LPCs, LMFTs, which are um, marriage and family therapists. We have social workers that are therapists. Um, we have psychologists. So we have a range of different types of therapists that are practice. And so if you are looking for a therapist, um, that is usually if you if you find a therapist that is a student and a, an associate some um someone that is a student an intern or someone that is an associate a lot of times you pay cheaper rates however you are not able to use insurance with these types of therapists so if you're someone that wants a therapist um that has a very low cash rate, self-pay rate, then you may have to go with an intern, um, which interns and associates are supervised by fully licensed people. 
right? They have to have a supervisor that kind of oversees their cases and helps them with um, basically answering questions about cases so that they can best serve their clients. So it's not like interns are out here just practicing with no support. It is a requirement, okay? So a lot of times associates and interns will have cheaper rates. Um, some insurances, I only know Cigna. Cigna is the only insurance that I know personally that you can use with an associate. Um, and that's a, a whole, the billing side of insurance and stuff is still confusing to me. It's one of those things I really want to learn about. Um, so don't ask me how that works, but, um, yeah. So if you don't have insurance, that does not mean that you cannot see a therapist. It just means that you probably have to see an intern, an associate, or maybe even someone who has a sliding scale. Um, so yeah, you are able to tell, people what kind of therapist you want so if you want a therapist that has a specific um, religious background or spiritual background that they address for example a christian counselor or someone that practices um hindu type of practices and and things like that so if you have someone if you want someone that specializes in a specific religious or spiritual background you are able to ask for that if you are um, a person of color a black indigenous or a person of color and you want someone that is a person of color you are able to ask for that this is all about you and your preferences and what you want so don't feel shy to ask for that you are also able to choose, you know, do you want to see a man? Do you want to see a woman? Do you want to see one, someone that um, is someone that specializes in LGBTQ population? Um, you are able to ask for, for those things. A lot of times you can gather all of this information from someone's um, website and also their biography on their website. Usually they'll tell you what um, their specializations are. Okay, so where are some places, some websites that you can go to? There are tons of them, but I'm going to recommend three here where you can look for um therapist so one huge one is psychologytoday.com there you are able to look nationwide um for a therapist so you put in your zip code you put in your preferences like the issues that you're dealing with you also put in i think you can choose male or female so you're able to kind of like narrow down and you can also put in the type of insurance that you have where you're able to narrow down different options. And on these websites, these uh, the therapists, once you've narrowed down your options, the therapists have a bio and it also has 
a list of different issues that they deal with. So this is a good place to go to look for therapists. If you are a person of color, um, one really good option is melaninandmentalhealth.com. Um, therapists that specialize in working with people of color, or if they are culturally competent and can work with people of color, go to this website and they actually um, list themselves. And so this is a good directory to use if you're looking for a black indigenous person or a person of color. Okay. Um, another good place, the third and final place that I'm going to recommend is therapyforblackgirls.com. Um, this is another good place to look for um, therapists that are well-versed in working with people of color. Um, another thing I want to talk about is consultations. Um, consultations may be offered to see if a therapist is a good fit. So usually your first session can kind of serve as a consultation. However, some therapists do offer a separate consultation and there may be a consultation fee and it's really for them to see are they a good fit for you and vice versa for you to see if that therapist is a good fit for you. One thing I want to mention is... I have so many family and friends like on Facebook and Instagram that say, hey, like I need therapy. When, you know, how do I get on your books? Like, how do I, how can I see you um, and you be my therapist? Well, I have to always tell people I am not able to personally see people that I know. It is a conflict of interest to have someone that you know as your therapist. And let me tell you why. Um, If I know you personally, even if, like, you know how you have Facebook and Instagram friends that you know them from elementary school or something like that, or you used to go to church with them, but you're not hanging out with these people, they're not your besties or anything like that, but you do know them. Um. And even if they are your besties, regardless of the level of the relationship, because you know that person, it is a conflict of interest. And so the reason why that is, is because therapy is designed to be one of those things where you can go into this, into the office or be virtual, however you choose to do your therapy sessions, and you can be completely transparent with this person. You are building a relationship with a person that is non-judgmental and has no stake in what happens to you in life. So not that I would be this kind of person, but unfortunately, not all therapists are exactly the same. But, and I would hope that there wouldn't be people out there like this, but we all are human. So you might have a therapist and you know them personally in some aspect and they are telling other people that y'all know your business you don't want that like you want to be able to know that this person wouldn't go back and talk about what you've talked about in therapy sessions especially with people you know that may not necessarily know 
the details of what you're going through and have gone through. Another reason why this is a conflict of interest is because if you think about it, let's say you share some very, you know, hard details with your therapist and they know you personally and you see them, you know, at a party or something or a gathering with common friends, there's like, you know, that chance that you'd feel kind of ashamed that this person knows all your business and you are in the same space together, right? Um, But therapists are also required to maintain confidentiality, but still we don't usually want to run the risk of us, you know, slipping and making that mistake, you know? (laughs) So that's why you can't, as a therapist, we can't see people that we know. Now, in some rural, rural, I can never say this word, rural, R-U-R-A-L areas, like very, very small towns, and there's one therapist in the area, like, that's going to be something that you can't really you know, combat. So in those types of situations, yeah, but if you're like in a huge city like Houston, like I am, like there's thousands and thousands of therapists. I don't know how many therapists there are out there, but there's a lot of therapists. So you can find one that you don't know. Um. So yeah, I wanted to make sure I, I discussed that. Another thing that I want to talk about is your first appointment and what the therapeutic process looks like. And this is not an all-inclusive podcast episode. There's so many details and so many things that go on in the process, but I want to like hit some very um, specific details. So one thing to remember is um, there is paperwork associated with starting therapy. A lot of times this paperwork will be sent to you electronically prior to your first appointment. And you want to make sure that you complete this and fill this out prior to that appointment because it's it's very helpful to the therapist to be able to review your paperwork prior to you coming in because they that might help them to um, know specific details about your issue that you're going through um, or that you're needing therapy for they can also already have questions that they want to ask ready and they can also um, have referral information for any other issues that you're going through so it's important to have that paperwork completed before the session a lot of um, therapists may have a policy in place where if you don't return paperwork within a certain amount of time prior to the session, then your appointment will be canceled. Um, Especially for telehealth, you have to have that paperwork to the therapist before a telehealth session because otherwise, legally, you know, we're not able to to see you um, because we don't have paperwork on file. And we can't guarantee that after the session, you will send the paperwork in. So even if you say you will, a lot of times people forget. And so that's that's one of those things that is super important. You want to make sure that you have questions that you want to ask the therapist, right? If there are questions that you have about 
Have you ever dealt with my issue before? Um, is this something that you are specifically trained in and, and things like that? So if you have questions that you want to ask a therapist, you are more than welcome to write those down and bring them to you, bring them to with you to your session. Um, you want to make sure that you have an open mind, right? Therapy is a challenging process. It is not all roses. It's going to be some hard, difficult days. Um, your therapist may challenge you and may confront you about some things. And it's not to be rude or to be mean to you. But the idea is that you come to therapy to grow. And a lot of times there's some growing pains associated with going to therapy. So sometimes, especially if you're dealing with trauma and very difficult things, a lot of times the process hurts before it helps, right? And so I want you to make sure that you have an open mind going into the therapeutic process. Um, it may take a few sessions before you feel anything, right? So you want to know that you have a good vibe going after you have your first session with your therapist, of course, you want to feel like this is somebody that maybe I can eventually trust, even if you don't leave feeling like you can trust them on the first session. Um, but if you get a horrible vibe, then you are more than welcome to change your mind and find somebody else, right? Um, because this is all about your process. It's not about them. Do not stick with a therapist if you do not feel a good vibe from them or you feel like they're not being as helpful to you as you would need them to. But also, you know, there's almost like you have to have this balance of knowing that this is a process. So therefore, you may not feel anything until like the third or fourth session where you feel some of those growing pains um, that I was discussing. Make sure that you communicate openly about what seems to be working and what's not working, right? If you feel like something is not working for you or let's say the therapist asks you to try something or asks you to do some homework um, or an assignment or something in between sessions, really that's because they want you to have some life application that you might process something in therapy and then if you don't work on that anymore until the next time you meet with that therapy therapist, you are only meeting with them for, depending on how long their sessions are, 45 minutes to an hour, maybe once a week or once every other week. Think about how many more hours in your life there are in between sessions. So therapists may provide you with an assignment to do or something that they want you to work on between sessions. And so if you try a strategy or something and it doesn't work, make sure you're honest with your therapist about that so that they know, okay, this didn't work. Let's try something different. Um, again, like I said earlier, you have the right to switch therapists and ask for another referral to meet your needs. Myself, personally, um, my supervisor has kind of coached me, you know, if a client tells me that they don't feel like I'm a good fit for them or what we're doing isn't working, um, my job is to give them three, at least three referrals um, to someone, 
to to therapists that maybe specialize in what they're dealing with. Because we have such a large group practice, I can usually refer within my uh, my practice. But if the therapist, I mean, sorry, if the client wants to go outside of our practice, I do also refer to other therapists um, that could be helpful to them. Another thing I want to make sure that I touch on is therapists will not make decisions for you or give you unsolicited advice, right? So yes, they do challenge you and kind of push you and maybe even confront you about things. However, your therapist is not there to tell you what to do in your life. They are there to give you tools and things to consider so that you can make your own decisions for your life. And here's why. If I'm seeing a client and they're coming in, they're thinking about leaving a relationship, a romantic relationship. And my client could be telling me things that are just so horrible. And I'm like, yeah, you need to leave them. Right? (laughs) I could be thinking that, but will I ever specifically say that? No, not necessarily. I my job is really to kind of help the client decide what it is that they want to do. So we may look at the facts. I might tell them, hey, look at the pros and the cons of the relationship. What are the deal breakers within the relationship? Um, I might even have them, you know, talk to a friend or whatever. There's several different things depending on the situation where I am guiding the client in making their own decision. Because the, the fact of the matter is eventually this client will probably not see me, you know, at some point because their issue will be resolved. And so after we terminate our therapeutic relationship, that client still needs to be able to make decisions on their own. They need to be able to learn from their current situation so that they don't make the same um, poor choices or decisions in the future. And so if I'm telling them what to do and making the decision for them, then they're always going to need me to make decisions for them. They will never be able to stand on their own. And so that is why it is so important to understand your therapist is not there to make decisions for you. That's, I mean, you know, you can go to friends for advice and they could be like, girl, you need to leave them. Girl, you need to do this. Girl, you need to quit that job and go to this other job. That's what friends do. Your therapist is not your friend. Your therapist is your therapist. So they are there to guide you so that you can make the best decision for you. Um, my last and final thing that I want to talk about is taking care of yourself. Like I said earlier, in the therapeutic process, it can be a very rough and tough process right? Where you learn stuff about yourself and even about people that you have a relationship with, whether it's family, friends, significant other, partner, whatever. And 
some things can be you realize some things that are very hard realities and that can be hard that could be stressful that can cause you know a lot of anxiety and indecision and all kinds of things and so you want to make sure that while you're going through the therapeutic process that you take care of yourself so that might mean that you need to have some me time you might need to um go hang out with your girls you might need to do you know whatever it is that you feel in that moment that you need to do to take care of yourself you might have to go take a nap after a very hard <laughs> therapy session you might not be ready to to go right back to work excuse me after you have a hard therapy session so um it's very important to take care of yourself in this process so, y'all, I hope this episode was helpful to you and that you learned something new about um, finding a therapist and what therapy looks like once you're in the process and what to expect. If you have questions about therapy or how to find a therapist, you are more than welcome to reach out to me at molivesonpurpose at gmail.com. And I would be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Or if I can't answer the question, direct you in the right direction. So I hope y'all have a good one. I love you guys. Be blessed. Bye. Please be sure to subscribe and follow my podcast. Also, follow me on Instagram at Mo Lives on Purpose. And then you can also email me with any questions or any feedback that you have for me. And my email address is molivesonpurpose at gmail.com. Thank you guys. And I hope you are blessed and go and live more purposely.